I'm Catherine Spearing, host of the Uncertain Podcast that exists to challenge the church to do better. We'll get a little more into what the episode is actually about during the episode, but for now, personal update. I have a new mic. Yay! It was my I Survived 2020 gift to myself. You'll have to let me know if you notice a difference at all with this new mic. I'm still getting used to it. It has all these fancy buttons on it. Don't know what half of them are for. Actually, I don't know what any of them are for. So you'll have to tell me how it sounds. This episode is a conversation that I have with my friend and former colleague, songwriter and musician, Alex McKee. Our greatest achievement together was teaching a class at a church retreat called Awkward People in which we didn't have a whiteboard, so we used the side of a cardboard box. It wasn't awkward at all. So again, we'll get into what this episode is actually about during the episode. And because I get really annoyed when podcasters do intros twice, I'm not going to belabor it here. But I did want to share one other personal thing with you. I just wanted to take a moment to speak to the survivors of abuse out there, specifically if you have experienced abuse in a church context. A few weeks ago, I had an interaction with one of my former abusers, and it was very dysregulating. It was just a reminder that the recovery from abuse, especially spiritual abuse, abuse that happens in a church context or a religious context, abuse that happens in the name of God when the Bible is used as authority for that abuse, it's really damaging. And if that has happened to you, I just want to say from personal experience, you're not alone in that. In fact, there are a lot of folks who have experienced this, sadly. And the work that we're doing with the Uncertain Podcast and Tears of Eden is hopefully going to bring some of those folks together so we can learn from each other and care for each other and just let each other know that we're not alone. One of the ways that we're going to do that is through this little apparatus that you may have heard of by now called Clubhouse. If you have Clubhouse, on Thursday nights at 5.30 Pacific time, we're going to do a Clubhouse drop-in audio chat about different subjects related to spiritual abuse. We've done two of them so far. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday It's tomorrow, so if you want to jump on there and join us, we would love to have you participate in that conversation just to bring awareness to the fact that this is not something that we're all going through alone. There's actually a lot of us out there, and we're going to be looking for more opportunities to bring us all together so that we can just be with one another and take away some of the isolation that you experience so often when you come out of a spiritually abusive community. Okay, so we're about to start the episode. 
and jump into this conversation. Thanks so much for being here. Here's Alex McKee. A year is it almost a year now? Has yeah, year? January or December, I guess. I turned in my notice right after Thanksgiving. So coming oh, wow. coming up on a year of being out of PCC. So where are you with your own like uh healing process and all of that, your journey? Thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. I think with so I grew up in a like very abusive, cultish, spiritually abusive home and family. Mm. And so Right now, I can't do church, and I can't do a lot of, like, Christian easy things. I skip any worship song that comes on Spotify. I can't yeah. do it. But I'm also very aware I'm having a trauma response. So mm, mm. I'm not worried. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like no. – I'm not yeah. like, oh, I hate Jesus, and I'm never going to do church again. I don't feel that way yes. at all. But right now, I can't do it. I can't do church. I can't, I have a hard time with my Bible. I, you know, somebody, I watched a film on Hosea the other day. And so I tried to read like Hosea in the Bible. And that was the first time I'd opened the Bible in like six months. And mm. it was hard, like the, the language. And it's like, I hate that evil people have made this Bible hurt when I open mm. it, you know, like, mm. but I know that's what it is. And so it's not, you know, how long will this last? I don't know. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> yeah. Healing is going to just take time. And yes. my, my faith, what is that? I don't know. Does God still exist? Yes. Do I still, you know, find joy in like creating and art and um, doing this podcast? I'm still very pastoral. I get to talk to you know, dozens of people throughout the week. And I'm pastoral in that moment, you know, like I'm able to engage with that side of myself still that's not, mm. not gone because of this. So that's, that's where I am. Yeah, man. So podcast audience is mostly people who identify as Christians at not, but I definitely, like, I am thinking my target audience is people who've been wounded by the church, so they may may not be in a great place with the church and a great place with God. Yeah. And so just, you know, keeping, trying to keep that in mind during just, like, interview stuff. The art idea is, I believe, so we do a lot of stuff with abuse in this first season, but I believe that artists and creatives are going to be very instrumental in challenging culture and providing spaces for healing, potentially even more so than scholars and theologians. And so mm. I have no idea how the season's going to go. And people really like the stuff on abuse. I don't know what this is this is going to be like, but it's definitely a little bit of a shift. But mm. still the idea is um just like healing and challenging culture and 
um, just giving space to highlight creatives because that is honestly a demographic that I think that the church does not care for well and mm. doesn't speak too well and doesn't really do art well, honestly. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so I'm excited about this and I'm super grateful that you would be willing to talk about this. Um, Absolutely. So I guess first question first, I'd love to hear your creative origin story and how you came into your creativity and your artistry. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I've, <laughs> I've had to do um, just a couple of these with different publications. And so I've kind of got an idea of, of what I want to share to answer that, that first question and even how faith intersects with art. But uh, yeah, I'm, if, if I may, I may just you know, elaborate a little bit further here. And then, yeah, feel free to edit, use whatever you want. Really excited about this conversation. Me too. Uh, because this is, yeah, this is an area that's very uh, near to me. And even thinking about the audience um, being hurt by the church, that's, I mean, kind of a target demographic for my music, honestly. You know, the whole tagline is worship music for people who aren't happy in the presence of God. That's essentially what I make. Anyway, you don't have to include that in the podcast, but I just wanted to tell you that like this, when you, when you, when you, do you, mind, me, if I was I, like, do you mind if I include it in the podcast? You, you absolutely can. And I might say it again, <laughs> um, you know, because, because it's more closely related to uh, the music that I'm making now, but it has nothing to do with my origin story. So that's mm-hmm. why I just wanted to, but I did want to throw that out there because I do want to get there eventually. Cause I think just listening to the opening season and thinking about art, and healing, oh my gosh. Um, I think there's so much overlap and intersection that I actually think it's brilliant that your first season would be, I'm gonna address a really broad issue of abuse. The second issue, I'm actually gonna start to show you how how people have coped in different ways and how art can actually lead to unearthing, like you're saying, like the beautiful thing about songs is we can just call out stuff when we, can I, am I allowed to cuss? I almost said yes, some things. Yes, please so. do. Okay, um, just in case. Just in case, um, I get very passionate about this this topic, and so you know, music can call. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll get into it. Um, okay. So my origin story, I grew up in a in a house of music. Grew up listening to uh, records. My dad has a pretty extensive vinyl collection, so we would always. I mean, music was always on in the house, and it was all different kinds of stuff. You know, there was uh, a lot of music by. I get my parents are English. My parents are British. So there's a lot of British, like British bands, British artists like David Bowie and uh, some rock bands as well. But then there was like a fair amount of classical music. And so I got this kind of diverse uh, upbringing, I guess, when it comes to to music and of all of the ways to express yourself creatively, for whatever reason, I always drifted uh, to music. There's home videos of me trying to twang at a guitar and sing and at the age of like two or three. And so for whatever reason, it was kind of pretty early on that that was my thing. But it wasn't until I was nine years old and uh, again, was listening to some of my dad's music and just kind of decided I really want to play. I want to play guitar. I want to make music on the guitar. I want to try and figure out this instrument. I think a lot of boys initially are drawn to the guitar because it's, you know, this thing you get to hold. It's a very physical thing and, you know, there's a lot of image stuff that comes with it too, but anyway, was drawn to it and started taking lessons and uh, just, I mean, I fell in love. Like music became even more my life. Like it was just the sole focus. Uh, and then saxophone came shortly after that was kind of like the school instrument. 
that I did at school. And then in high school, I just started to add instruments to, or like things that I could play, you know, piano, bass, guitar, and just kind of was obsessed uh, with, with all things music, you know, eventually started recording albums in high school. And so it really was just like this all consuming endeavor. Uh, it's what I thought about. It's I surrounded myself with friends and in a community that was, was about that as well. And then went to college and pursued music. And that brought me to Los Angeles. I was doing a master's degree at USC that I was able to finally realize one of my dreams, which was to work for, you know, film composers. So after graduating from USC, was able to pretty much right away go into the industry and uh, work for Hans Zimmer, actually. So it was, I mean, that and that was a crazy experience. That was, uh, there, I learned so much uh, very quickly and, and I had to grow up very quickly and had to uh, like unlearn a lot of what I had learned in music school and because you know he just has his way of doing things and then after about a year found myself just completely burned out and kind of hating music <laughs> in a mm. sense and uh were you yeah. doing music in that job Getting yes. Uh, well, initially, I mean, I was the, the food runner. You start out as like the intern and you're like getting coffees and doing other errands. And then uh, if a job opens up, you know, you, you kind of get to apply for it because you're you're there already. And so had eventually got a job in his uh, sampling department, which is basically I mean, that's I, I don't want to go too much into that because I don't think the audience here would would love those technical details but it's basically just a, a department where we make digital instruments for Hans to use so unique sounds and we make them we make them playable on a keyboard so it's 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 part audio engineering you're recording you're cutting up these samples of instruments and then you're putting them on a keyboard so that it's it's very musical it's playable and so that's what I did for Hans and uh, worked on Man of Steel and Lone Ranger 12 Years a Slave and there might have been another movie in there, but it was kind of like around 2012, 2013. Oh, I worked on Rush as well. That was the other movie. Hmm. Uh, so I worked for him for about a year. And I, and, and I should say, like, you know, the, the love of writing my own music continued throughout that year. But by the end, I realized I'm not writing anymore. And I kind of hate this. After pulling a 20-hour day at the studio, you, you, you come home and you just collapse in exhaustion. And you do that every single day. And so I wasn't, I wasn't making any music for myself. I, after that job, I kind of had to learn how to love making music again, um, had to heal, had to, and, it, and it took time. You know, I guess, I mean, fast forward to two years ago, which is the origin story for this latest project that I'm really excited about. I was working at a church, went through a period, a season of spiritual dryness, like kind of apathy, I mean, almost a depression, basically, and questioning my faith. and had, come out of that and was handed some lyrics from Psalm 88, which is the one Psalm that doesn't really resolve. It's the, it's the Psalm of, of depression. And I, I loved the words so much. I found them to be really true and, and very honest and raw, um, you know, and, and in a way that I had not experienced before. And it just felt timely that I would have these words. I think that, uh, the writer, Heman, I mean, he was either feeling depressed himself or he was trying to teach people how to worship through depression. And he just names it. He calls it all out, all of the things, you know, my friends have abandoned me. Darkness is my only friend. That's how the Psalm ends. It's not, 
and I will forever praise your name. No, because that's not what you need to say. That's not what you, you know, and the only line of hope is actually in the opening line, which is God of my salvation, I cry out to you. So in that one line, you know, we've got, he's acknowledging that he's got a savior and he can cry out to him. And then the rest of it is just, I'm in, I'm in utter darkness and despair. And so it was, it was reading that. And it was actually a, a very, very good friend of mine, Tyler Green, who, who had written the lyrics in kind of a, in a song structure. And I just said, you know what, uh, we need to do a project together. We need to write, we need to write these kind of like very real, very honest worship songs that, that kind of deal with these issues. So anyway, that was, sorry, that was such a long answer. I love all of my it. Cr- it's creative cool. origin story, but that is, you know, that's the journey from beginning to, to now. I've heard, I've heard that song. Tyler played it for me. And I think it was before, like, it was still the, still the edited, editing version or whatever. And it's, uh-huh. it's, it's awesome. It's great. So glad you, you've uh, put it to music. Yeah, I guess I'm just like building on that. How does faith show up in your art and in your creativity? Yeah. I mean, it, it had always been there from, from the beginning. I, I mean, I grew up in a, in a Christian household and as soon as I discovered the love of music, I'd already kind of been in a journey to discovering a love of God and, and serving him. And, and so I always wanted to see those two intertwine and, uh, you know, my faith and, and my, my creative, my, my, my music. And I, I would write, I mean, I wrote secular music. I wrote I wrote worship music and, but I, you know, even like the worship music I wrote, I felt like sometimes this is a little trite. Sometimes this feels a little inauthentic. Like I wish I could say another thing. Like I looked at my catalog of secular songs, which were a little more despairing or sad or, you know, my, my brother used to joke, like, when are you going to write a happy song? I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't need a happy song. I need to, do you know what I'm feeling right now? You know, do you know what I'm going with? And, uh, and so, you know what, uh, I realized, um, a couple of years ago that, you know, I, I really want to write worship music that sounds more like the secular music that I actually, that I love. Cause I was realizing like when I needed a cathartic release, when I was feeling sad, I went to music like Bon Iver or M83. These are very like secular, you know, wor- you know, it's, it's not worship music at all. I was not finding comfort in worship music. And so that's where. I want, that's where my faith and my uh, art interact is I want to write music for people who don't feel happy in the presence of God. I want to write worship music. Like, what are you supposed to sing when you're depressed? You know, I don't think, I mean, no disrespect to Matt Redmond. I love that guy, but you don't need to sing Blessed Be Your Name. You know, you don't need to sing that. I don't think personally, sometimes it's hard to sing those words. Every blessing you pour out, I'll come back to praise you know, when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say like that, even like saying that right now, I'm like, I'm not going to say that to my friend who's battling depression. I don't say that to myself. I'm like, God, why the hell am I having to deal with this shit? That's what I say. And so I wanted to write music that sounded more like that, that, that felt more authentic. And so this music probably won't be sung congregationally. And that's, I, and I think that's okay. Uh, this is personal worship music. Um, and it's, and it's coming from a place where like, I have, I have wrestled with this stuff and that's how I was able, and I, I've, I've used this music to help process some of that. Um, and it's me trying to hang on, cling on for dear life to this faith that I, I do love and, uh, believe to be true, even in those dark moments, but it's, 
it's hard to believe it to be true. Yeah. So this is the this is the soundtrack for for that kind of experience. Right. It's interesting. You said this won't be sung congregationally. I think that's okay. This is personal worship music. Go out on a limb here with me. What would happen if we sang that type of music corporately? That's a great question. So yeah, you know what? I don't know. I don't think it would be anarchy to sing it, honestly. I think yeah. you would get some questions. I think you would get like that, that last one or that song was kind of it's kind of a downer, you know. Uh, I kind of wanted to just feel good. And I'm like, well, some people in this congregation don't feel good right now. So this one's for, you know, this one's for you guys. I don't know, because like, oh, there's just this uh, assumption that you come into worship and like, everybody's okay. We're all joyful. We're all going to sing, you know, whatever it is. Uh, But that's not the case. Some people, Mm -hmm. it took all that they could to get in there. Mm -hmm. And I know that we, and I do think like, we can't do like, whole worship maybe maybe we should but like i don't know if you can consistently sing that eventually we do need to be able to sing blessed be your name we do that's also mm-hmm. scripture too but but i do think we we need one maybe one of these songs in a corporate setting and and i think you would we would need to do some teaching around it uh to kind of help people enter into it um so that they're not caught off guard i guess because it is different this is left of center Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when when it comes to worship music, there's not a lot out there that's that's quite like this. Yeah, and it's a uh, it would need, yeah, just kind of like coaching and training because there's been this this mode or this expectation for what worship music is supposed to be like, shaped by the uh, Chris, uh, Chris. What's his name? Chris. Uh, Chris Tomlin. Chris Tom- yeah, shaped by the Chris Tomlins of the world and the Matt Redmonds of the world, which, like you said, not bad. A lot of that is based on scripture, but picking these types of scriptures and, and yeah. not these types of scriptures. And I think that could be super healing for people who mm. are in a, in a very dark place and receive a message that only this happiness is acceptable here. Mm. And that is, yeah, I feel like that could be super healing. I, I just wanted to say, cause I, I don't want to come off as like heavy handed on these, you know, Hillsong elevation, mm-hmm. or like we, we need that. And, mm-hmm. but it's already out there. So I wanted to do something different. If you look at it like a diet, like we can't do an all protein diet. We just can't, we need a little bit of, we need, we need some fats, we need some vegetables, we need some greens, that sort of thing. So like on the worship plate, on the meal plate, I'm trying to provide like the, the side item that you're maybe not getting in your diet. That's really how I see it. Because um, And this is coming from experience of growing up in a church and feeling like more or less we're singing the same kinds of things. And again, remember, it was that, it was that realization like I'm going to this uh, secular music to heal. Why can't I go to worship music to heal? What, what's the, and you know, so, so my, hopefully this, this project is like, well, you could go here. You don't need to go straight to, you know, Matt Redman or Chris Tomlin right now. You can step, stop off here and hang with me for a while, do some healing, you know, feel what you need to feel to heal, to, and, and acknowledge all those feelings and know, and, and to know that God wants you to do that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, 
coming out of a season of spiritual dryness and depression, then being handed these words uh, by a very good friend and a great writer, uh, almost right away I was healed. I, I, I got acknowledgement that my spiritual dryness and apathy and depression were, were felt uh, previously and were actually written into the Bible. And so it was like, here you go. Here's your language for addressing this. So as I started to sing those words, because I mean, that's another thing too, just singing them, singing them loud. There's something physical that happens. It's healing. You know, have you ever yelled a song at the top of your lungs? Oh, it just feels so good. And so there was like in the writing process, there was already some healing happening and taking place. And then it was, you know, listening back to that first demo with Tyler and saying like, wow, this is, this is moving us in a way we didn't expect. Is there more? Cause he'd only written the one song and I had just exited this season of dryness and I was starting to find my own voice creatively again. And so it was like, let's, let's write more. And so that's, um, that's when we started to look at other, other things that we're not really saying in our worship music, you know? And so we talked so one of the songs on the, uh, on the EP that I just released is uh, crying out for revival. Like, you know, God, we see a spiritual dryness. We see apathy. We see this place so full of life, you know, when are we going to return to that? When are you going to come back? And, uh, and, and that's, and so, so we wrote that that's from Psalm 85. And then we wrote uh, one for Psalm 12, which is basically calling out injustice and asking God to rise up, you know, take on the cause, cut out the arrogant tongues of those that are speaking ill around me. I mean, it, it takes no stretch of the imagination to see how those words are so timely right now in 2020, you know, cut out the tongues of those arrogant rulers, you know, and that's not just our politicians, that's our church leaders, that's anybody in power, right? And there it is. It's right in Psalm 12. You know, David was talking about enemies pursuing him. And we have very, very much we have enemies that pursue us here in 2020. And so just being able to sing those words and, and that they were coming from scripture. Again, we were super careful to not put too much of our own personal feelings on this, although that inevitably comes out whenever you do express yourself. So it's in there. But there's also I mean, it's it's 80 percent. It's 80 percent God's words. You know, it's 20% like, okay, how angry did Alex deliver that? Okay, he's working out some stuff, you know? So there's some of that in there too. <laughs> there's some of that as well. And so, but it is, it's just healing to sing those. It's healing to realize that they're in the Bible and to know that it's okay to not be okay. And so after we'd finished writing, we had about five songs and realized, um, oh, we need to record these. This is, this, is now, this is now something. This is not just one song. This is now a whole yeah, this is a whole thing now. This is a, a whole album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit of, more about, you said it a couple of times, that you wanted to make sure that it's like mostly Bible. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I mean, because Tyler is a terrific screenwriter and he adapts stories, that was just a natural creative avenue outlet for him is let me just adapt to what's already here. So we've got the source material, we've got the Bible. Let's just adapt it, make these, you know, singable. And that's why I came out right. I called the album 150.1. There's 150 Psalms. This is my first collection of them. And I named each track just after the Psalm. I just said, this one's called 88. This one's called 85. This one's called four, you know, because I wanted people to be able to go straight to the the source with it 
moving forward, we're, we're still going to do some of the adapting work because we, again, we feel like the Bible has such rich language that we don't tap into as a corporate church a lot of times. Again, corporately, individually, maybe people get into it. And so that, that will still be very much a part of the project and the expression, but it will start to shift a little and become more of my own personal experience, just because as an artist, that's, that's important to me and that's healing. But it's also good that we, we hear, um, hear an individual and, and, and completely from their perspective, as opposed to these are always, always from the Bible. So I, I hope that answers your question. I know it's kind of convoluted and I kind of said, you know, Yes, we take from the Bible, Absolutely. but yes. Yeah. I can see scenarios where I, w- I just watched a documentary by Margaret Atwood, the woman who wrote Handmaid's Tale. And she was talking about how every extreme situation in Handmaid's Tale, every situation of violence, every you know patriarchal moment, she actually based every single one of them on a real event in history so that if mm. anyone ever pushed back and said, oh, you just made this up, like this isn't really the way it is, she was like, oh no, here's this resource. This actually has happened in yeah. your life, in history. And so when you were saying that, I was like, it kind of, like if people push back and like, you shouldn't speak to God like this, you shouldn't say these things to God or this is your reverend. Oh, look, whoops, it's in the Bible. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's super wise and super, uh, super sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Here is a totally question that I didn't send you that I'm, I'm thinking of right now. Um, Flyball. How have you experienced art as incarnational? I can flush the question out a little more if you want me to. Yeah, I'd be curious because actually it's so funny you mentioned this word incarnation because uh, I've been I've been wrestling with what that word actually means, funnily enough. So I would love, could you just unpack it a little more and then I will do my very best to answer the question. Yeah, I'd love I'm to not hear I'm not dodging it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'd love to hear just like what you have come to, what that word means to you. But mm. I think the way it plays out for me is God created earth. And, and humans, and he put himself into humans. Mm. And in very, you know, obviously with Jesus, obviously, but he put himself into humans and he put himself into his creation. And then like when I create, when I write, and especially in fiction, like I'm putting myself in, but then I'm also giving life to these characters and then they are now alive and they are participating in the story with me as we're writing. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is how it plays out for me. And I would love to hear how it plays out for you. Well, um, as it relates to music, I mean, I love this idea that, that God is in, is in everything. You're absolutely right. He created everything. He made everything. And he transcends like synthesizing digital sounds. So looking at basically a a keyboard with a laptop. That's how I wrote the first EP. And you can make any sound that you can think of. I mean, there is no, there is no limit. And so at the very beginning of the project, I kind of got lost in a sound world, just trying to, and trying to make it for myself. So in my mind, I had a vision of what I wanted. Like I want the guitars to sound kind of like this, but almost indiscernible that it's a guitar. And then 
you know, I want the drums to sound like this. And so you're just, all of this is, is, is feeling new and just vast. And it's like, it's like finding out that the universe is, you know, always expanding and we have, we don't really know <laughs> the end of it and only God does. It felt like that way for me creatively with this project. Like I, there's always going to be more sounds. There's always new things. And that's just, I, that is a reminder that God is, is so vast and is, is highly creative. And so I think as a creative, that's given me kind of a unique view, uh, a very unique lens, a, a unique window, but very much like how a scientist would probably answer that question. Like, oh my gosh, you know, we just zoomed in and we saw how small everything is. And, you know, I see that. I see, I, I can, I feel closer to God. I feel more connected, uh, kind of more in awe. So um, that's definitely, that's how I'm feeling now as a, as a, as a creative, as an artist. It sounds like you're tapping into your true self. Mm -hmm. Like who yeah. God really made you to be. And then when you mm. get there, you're like, whoa, mind yeah. yeah, you're right. Artists always talk about finding their voice, you know, like finding their sound. And God is very much a part of that journey, like guiding that. You're right. You're, you're exactly right. That's awesome. Well, any final thoughts? Any final words? Just, uh, I guess I'm just so, so thankful for, for this opportunity to share a little bit about art and faith. I'm excited for, for you know, for what is to come for me personally. Uh, so this, this EP uh, was released in June and since that time has gotten a little bit of engagement and buzz, but I'm excited to to start playing these songs live and maybe we could see how people respond. Do people really love singing these songs or do they, do they not relate? It has been amazing. People have reached out and said, you know, wow, I can't believe that this, this, this exists. I think this is needed. This is timely. I feel this way. I've got a full length follow-up in the works. So it'll be a 10 track album that I'm really excited about that has some of, some, again, it's a lot of scripture, uh, from Jeremiah and from Lamentations, but there's also a fair amount of Alex McKee in there. Cause I just found myself connecting to the person that Jeremiah was. So that is to, that is to come that's in the future. And I'm excited, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I'm excited about that too. I appreciate this. Thanks. Yeah. I hope it was helpful. I feel like oh I my gosh, ramble, so ramble great. a little bit. I'm so, I, I have three more interviews lined up for, the season two i'm just i'm like getting so excited about it like just cool. the, the art one i'm just like uh, yeah i'm just so psyched because i just think it's gonna i'm excited just personally to get to just talk art with people <laughs> yes oh my gosh uh, just start creativity this. and like yeah yeah creative process and it, it is amazing know. how much overlap there is and actually how much about someone's process can inspire you you know mm -hmm. like can, yeah yeah i think that's to answer your own question earlier that's incarnational living that's jesus incarnate you are actually being being that to other people and it's hard like why is that so hard for us in the church to do that you know i wonder that i ask myself that question um why do we i mean i guess it's because we're all we're all so messed up right we i think we say that so much the church is a place for sick people uh but, but man do we hurt each other man do we hurt each other yeah we do and it's gotta i feel like the church is gonna shift or it already is 
in what it looks like and how yeah. it I think what they what has been I, I just being in seminary and you know I have a lot of pastor friends and they're feeling that shift happening and it's and it's kind of like everyone's trying to like slow down slow down stop 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 like yeah. circle the wagons keep the traditional church and so then yeah. COVID comes and it's like yeah um, yeah oh so I just I feel like the church has just it's gotta it's gotta do better it's just gotta do better mm. Got to change the way that it's been operating, and yeah. So, a lot more I agree. Time. I I think this is church. I think we just had church Saturday morning church. Yeah. Woohoo! Let's tap into our Jewish tradition. Right? <laughs> Saturday morning church. You know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Doesn't have to be Sunday morning. You know, like those those little Doesn't things. Have yeah. Doesn't have to be in person. Not yet. I think being in person is important for uh, other reasons, but. Yeah, mm, mm. I think that that's uh, that's cool. Uh, well, um, tell Mindy hello for sure. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. All right. Well, thanks so much, Alex. Have an awesome, awesome afternoon. So good to see you. Yes, so <laughs> good to see you too. We'll All talk right. soon. Yes. All right. Bye. If you would like to support this podcast and the work of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse, please take a moment to visit tearsofeden.org support. Thanks so much for listening today. So glad that you joined us and we'll see you again at the next episode.